Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, it's great to be here, first of all. Uh, I love coming to church, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> Especially for the pastor, you better love it, right? You know, I won't even tell the old joke story, so I won't even go there about that one. So the other day, Wednesday morning, I'm running on the treadmill, and I'm about five miles into my run. I'm watching the Olympics, and I'm watching the women's team cross-country ski event. Normally, I'm not intrigued by... You know, but it's the Olympics, and so I'm watching this, and I'm running, and I'm realizing they're, as they're talking, I'm learning a lot about this, the women's event, and and what's going on in the history of this particular event, and finding that there never has been a gold won by the United States in this Olympic event for the women, and so I'm hearing them talk about it, and they're talking about so the U.S. gal, I think she's like starting to gain some momentum, and she's getting up to like third place, and they're talking about possibility of, of some sort of a medal, and I'm just running, and I'm into this thing, and then pretty soon, you're coming toward the end, and she's still in third place, and the announcer is getting a little more excited because, you know, they have some idea of the history and everything that's going on, so there's a lot of stuff, and pretty soon, She's just neck and neck, right, going down to the finish line, and just, and I don't know if you saw it, but just squeaks out to win the gold medal for the women's event. And I'm sitting there running, and I'm excited, and I'm feeling really good. And I'm thinking, this is great. I'm like five miles into this thing, and I'm feeling like Rocky theme song playing, you know. And and I'm like, I want to speed this thing up a little bit, because I'm like, this, you know, these ladies, they're just, they're working hard. I don't know if you've seen that. That's like all out working hard to prepare and win an event like that. So it was making me feel pretty good. I finished my run and uh, was, was feeling pretty good about it. And, and I thought, well, you know, these Olympics are exciting. I don't know, any of you, I, I don't, we haven't watched a lot of it, but watching a little bit of the Olympics. And I look at some of those sports and I think, how in the world do people do those things? You know, with the snowboards, the skis, the downhill stuff, the jumps that they're flipping 10 times in the air and landing backwards on their skis, all of those things, I think about what an incredible amount of ability and talent and skill. And I'm thinking, curling. (laughs) Then there's curling. I mean, we're talking about coming from here and all the way. Nothing against curling. But I'm thinking, I wonder... (laughs) Yeah, well, that would be more my speed now, for sure. But I'm like, kind of, who, who was thinking about, there's like some 13-year-old kid in the kitchen, his mom's making him sweep the kitchen, he's in there sweeping, like, ah, I don't want to do this. Ding, I got this great idea. When I grow up, I want to do this only faster. I want to sweep fast. I want to do, what can I do? How can I do this faster? You know, I don't know if you've seen that, but they, they're in there sweeping the ice to make it polished so this block of rock can move into the spot. Anyway, kind of cool, but and it's sort of fun to watch, but what a difference between that and some of those amazing, talented people. So some of you are probably curling experts, so you'll talk to me later going, that really is an athletic sport. 
Okay, it is. Anyway, moving right along. So we're in this series of creating a community of culture, community of culture. And so today I want to focus on understanding our purpose. Understanding our purpose. And there's a few things I want to share this morning that I hope will you'll be able to gravitate to and grab a hold of and say, you know what, I, man, it, this is starting to make sense to me. This is starting to ring my bell a little bit. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to pray uh, and ask God to really speak to us this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we do have the freedom to come, the freedom to, to worship, the freedom to come to a church and to celebrate who you are and to, uh, and to, to listen to some of the things that you have to say in your word today and, and some practical things that will help us in our journey of life. And I pray each one of us would receive what you would have us to receive this morning, not just to consume it for ourselves, but that we're able to give out to others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first question, I guess, that I ask myself is, why did God create man? Why did he create us? Because did he need us? He's God, right? But in my thinking, and I believe that God created man because he wanted to have relationship. He wanted a relationship with us. That's pretty cool because of all the creations that he created, we get to be the part of his most prized possession, his greatest creation, which is human beings, human life. And you and I are part of that. We're one of seven whatever billion people in the world, and there's nobody else like you. You are you. You have your own fingerprint. Nobody has the same fingerprint as you. That's pretty incredible to think about God's ability to do something that expansive and that uh, dynamic is pretty amazing. Now, I, I was thinking that, that it, in, in thinking about this whole thing, that there is a purpose that God has for each one of us. Understanding why he created us and he wanted to have a relationship with us. But his main focus was on the eternal, really, for us. There is a temporal and there's an eternal. And we're living in the temporal right now. This is a temporary time where we exist. Then there's an eternal time. The temporal time is just a brief moment, really, in the history of time, in, in God's time. It's just such a small time. And so temporal means temporary, right? And eternal means permanent. That's something permanent we're all looking forward to. There's a permanent relationship time we get to spend with God. And Genesis really, in the creation and the report that we read in Genesis, really begin, kind of explains why God created man and clear that he created Adam to have eternal company with him. He wanted to spend eternity with us. That makes, it should make us feel pretty good that God wants to spend eternity with us. He created us in his image, in his likeness to do that. Now, we understand that Adam's sin severely damaged the relationship between man and God at that time. But there was some things that happened over time that Jesus Christ came. God had a plan to send his son to begin to repair that damaged relationship, 
to come and to be the forgiver of sin, to, to come and to be a renewal and to restore that broken relationship. And so Jesus came to do that for us. And there will be a day that each one of us, we will be spending eternity with our creator. That's an exciting thing to think about, really. There will be a perfect relationship. It won't be broken like what happened with Adam and Eve. In James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18 says this, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. In the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. In other words, things don't, it's not whack-a-mole with God. Things don't change with him. It's, it's solid. We know who he is. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And here's what I like. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. That's good news. We are his prized possession. You know, the enemy wants to tell you you're not valuable. You're not worth anything. But you can, you can say, no, I'm God's favorite. I'm his prized possession because we are, and his word says that we are. I want to tell you guys a story this morning that is in the book of Esther. And Esther had a purpose. I begin to study a little bit more about Esther and Mordecai. These two people who discovered and fulfilled their purpose that God had for them, which was totally, probably not even in the ballpark of what they were thinking for their life. Two people that discovered and understood their purpose. And it simply shows that two people who are courageous in who they were in their heritage as Israelites, living in a Babylonian area, time, minding their own business, so to speak, not knowing God was up to something really crazy, really cool, really good, not knowing all of those things, and also not knowing that there was evil that was lurking, that wanted to bring absolute destruction to the Jewish people, to Israel. That was on the horizon. They didn't know that. That was their people, but they didn't know. They were just living life in this Babylonian area. Well, Mordecai, who was exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon along with others, and Esther, who was adopted by Mordecai into his family because her parents, it was actually his cousin, they were cousins, he adopted her into their family because her parents had died took her on as a young child. She grew up in the home. So that's kind of the, the, the picture as we see it. And there was an attempt to destroy that was coming, to destroy Israel, to destroy the Jews. There was a king, Xerxes. I'm glad we don't name our kids all tough names. but He ruled over 127 provinces, stretching all the way from India all the way down into Africa, the whole area, there was a lot of provinces that he was a ruler over, had a lot of influence. He, one day, was throwing this big party. There was a lot of celebration. He was a pretty arrogant guy and wanted to draw attention to all of his wealth and all of that he had and all of the amassed things that he had. And so he was throwing this big party, and so this week-long party was going on, 
And then so on the seventh day of the party, and people were probably a little happy, a little tipsy, a lot of celebration was going on, and he thought, you know what, I'm going to, I want my wife, the queen, I want her to come out and just to show her beauty to all of these noble people, all these men, all, all these friends. I'm trying, I want to impress them with my beautiful wife. And she was asked to come, and she said, no, I'm not coming. I'm not going to do that. Well, you don't know, but you don't tell the king no. You don't tell the king no. That's, that's not a good thing. And so he's having the discussion when he's probably embarrassed about the whole thing, having a discussion with his lead guys, and they're saying, hey, you can't have this. It, it'll make you look horrible. If she... If, she, if you let her get away with this, then other women will think it's okay to get away with whatever. So they had all this thing going. So they ended up putting her out, basically, saying, you're done, you can't be the queen anymore. Exiled her out. Well, now, who's going to be queen? Well, the king, look for all of these beautiful women. Look all throughout the land. All these young, beautiful women. We need to find one to be queen. Well, little did Esther know as a beautiful woman, that she would be asked to come and be one of many, probably hundreds of women who were brought to the queen to prepare ahead of time, spent a year in preparation, making sure that they're taken care of and cleaned. All of the, the pedicure, manicure, the, the perfumes, the, the look, look, nice looking hair, the shampoos, all the, just beautiful, right? To present to the king because they're going to bring these women to the king and the, and the king's going to choose all these women. And who does he choose? He doesn't know this. They didn't know it. It's a Jewish woman. Interesting to think about purpose. So many times we think our path is going to go down this way. We've kind of got it figured out where we're going and we we have a purpose we think in mind. And God says, you know what? I'm going to take you a little different way because I have a much bigger ending to this than you do, a much bigger purpose than you do. Esther becomes the queen. Wow, now there's a Jewish queen in Babylon. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Esther might have been thinking, what purpose do I have in life being queen here, and how can, I, how can that even be a positive thing for my people? She could have been thinking that, not having any idea. But it also brings great meaning to the scripture in Proverbs 21.1, where it talks about the king's heart is like a stream, and it's directed by the Lord. And the Lord can direct that stream or that king any way he chooses or any way he sees fit. And this is what God was doing right here in this particular situation. Now, you understand Esther and Mordecai, who will come into the picture again, they had no idea, no clue what the enemy was up to. They were just living life. Next to the king was a man named Haman, most powerful man. He had all the power. He could call out anything, do anything that he wanted. He was, and he was a very arrogant, very evil man, most powerful man in the empire, the Bible says. So he demands all of the officials Mordecai was one of the official guards there at the palace. He had been working there as, a, as an official in official capacity. And so Haman says, I want every official to bow down to me. Everyone that works here must bow down to me. Well, Mordecai 
It's like, no, I can't do that. I only bow down to God. I'm not going to bow down to you. So he refused to do it. Haman got really upset. Not only was his thought to get rid of Mordecai, but he's saying, I'm going to get rid of all the Jews. I'm going to kill them all. I've got a plan to get rid of all of them. And he had a plan and created these gallows to even hang Mordecai on. He had it all planned out, had this plan. And so he ordered death to all the Jews. And when the decree came out from Haman and Mordecai found out this was going to happen, he just began crying out and wailing and, and making all kinds of noise. It drew a lot of attention. The word got back to Esther, his cousin, who was queen, that this was happening, going on. This was a pretty difficult time. <laughs> so she sends some servants, go out and check on Mordecai. Go out and check on him, see what's going on. What's, how come he's so upset? And they, and they go out and they talk to him. And he wants direction to go back to her as the queen to say, I need your help. I need you to beg the king for mercy. I need you to beg the king to plead for our people. So we see in Esther chapter 4, and you see this in verse 11, this was Esther's response in the fourth verse of, uh, 11th verse of chapter 4. Says, she says, all the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. If you didn't know it then, if you entered in uninvited by the king, if you just went in, it doesn't matter if you're the queen, it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> it's not good. As we can see, you're doomed. Death would be upon you. So she's basically kind of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing, but I can't violate that. So we see, jump to verse 13, when he finds out that she can't go in for 30 days, he's like, we don't have that kind of time. So Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Here is this portion right here that is very powerful. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? For such a time as this. And I believe that's true for all of us here today. God has a purpose for you. And just maybe it's for such a time as this. You've lived your life. You've been through a lot of things. You've gone through challenges, and you're trying to figure out, why did I have to go through that? Why did I go that route? That wasn't a good, that wasn't a good route for me. I didn't like how that went. And, and you're, you're sitting here today saying, what is my purpose? Why did all those things happen? It could be that God is saying, I've brought you through all of these things. I've allowed you to go through these things. I've put you where you are today because maybe you're even questioning, why am I doing what I'm doing? I don't know. Everybody's in a different place. But could it be that it's for such a time as this? Now, previously, Mordecai had gotten word to the king that there was some people that were out to destroy him, and they were able to foil that plot. And so the king remembered that, 
And so the king was thinking, you know what? I want to honor this Mordecai. I want to honor him. So he brings in his right-hand guy, Haman, the, the guy who's in charge of everything. And, and, and this is it's very interesting how this all goes down. And so he brings in Haman. He goes, you know what? I want to honor somebody who really is important in my life, who I really value, and I want to honor him. Haman, how do you think I should honor this man? Yeah. So Haman, yeah, see, you probably read the story. And so Haman comes up with this whole really cool thing. He says, well, if you want to really properly honor somebody, then I think you should grab a bunch of your robes, of your royal, all of your royal robes, and, and get your, one of your horses and, and get it, everything all fixed up fancy and, and put that person on the horse and, and let them ride through and have everybody see how great they are and, and, and all of the good things that they, they, they've done just to honor them just in the highest possible capacity to give them honor with the king's robe led through the square and, and having all the officials shout how great this person is because Haman's, in his mind, he's thinking, that's me. He wants to honor me. Yeah, that's what he's thinking the whole time. I, I just want to honor, I, I, I'm going to be the one to be honored. Well, how far from the truth could that have been? The king said, excellent, Haman, I love the idea. Quick, go, go get all of the uh, robes, my horse, do everything. Get all that stuff. And by the way, this is for Mordecai. Can you imagine? <laughs> Haman's just like, oh my, whoa. This is the guy that he has a plan to kill. And the king wants to honor him. And he said, don't leave anything out that you suggested. This is where Esther comes into play as the queen. And it's interesting because the king has a conversation with Esther saying, Honey, what is it you want? What do you want? I, you can have anything you want. I'll give you up to half my kingdom. What is it you want? She says, well, you know what, king, honey, dear? You know how convincing what wives can be. All I want is for my people to be free, to not bring destruction to them. And he's like, huh? What, what are you talking about? Well, Haman has a plan. And he's going to kill all the Jews, he's going to, and he's going to kill Mordecai. He has a plan to put him on the gallows and, and get rid of him. That infuriates the king. Can you, you can imagine. Here are the gallows that were prepared for Mordecai by the enemy. And you know what? The enemy has prepared things for us to destroy us. He's got it all. He thinks everything's going to work in his favor. He, and he's got these things planned out. And then God comes along. And he said, uh-uh, not for my kids. And we see this whole thing flip-flop. For whatever the enemy meant to be evil towards Mordecai and the Jews, God turned that around, and actually Haman ends up on his own gallows that he constructed to kill Mordecai. And he ends up dying there. For such a time as this, you can't imagine... And I, and I didn't go through all of the things, and you can go through and read this story, but what Esther and Mordecai went through, what they had to go through, the challenges they were faced, and all the things against them, but God had a plan and a purpose. He had a plan and a purpose, and he wasn't going to allow the enemy to win, and so he 
he brought these two people who were really, in a sense, the enemy and brought them in to be in places of favor. I don't want to say this because understanding, because Esther and Mordecai fulfill, were fulfilling and fulfilled God's purpose for their life, that God's favor was on them. And when we are fulfilling God's purpose for our life, his favor is on us. I see it all the time. When people are actively pursuing what does God has for them in their life, favor is on them. When we're feeling, fulfilling our purpose, then we are walking in God's favor. That is absolutely what happens. We are in a for such a time as this season. You are. You're in a for such a time as this. There's an impact that you will have on other people's lives. Huge impact. For I think for a lot of those people that were in the Olympics, maybe their whole purpose they thought was, I just want to win a gold medal. And they're 25, 30 years old, and they win the gold medal, and then, then what? Another 50, 60, 70 years to figure out what's your purpose. Some, some of us have been around a while, and we've taken different paths and gone different ways. But I believe that it, as long as we have breath and we have the ability to do something for God, we still have a purpose. And don't let the enemy snatch that from you, steal that. He, he, he may show you over here, look, I've already got the gallows prepared for you, Steve, to lose everything. It's already there. I have it set up. Because the enemy wants to show us those things. He wants, but we say, no, I serve a big God. That isn't for me. It's for you. It's for the enemy. So what is our purpose? What is our purpose? I bulleted a couple things here. That One, just to grow in our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's important for us. Understand that. What does that mean? The other thing is to care for and encourage one another as we strive to follow Jesus and be his hands extended, encouraging each other, caring for each other, which is being demonstrated, and loving God and loving people. <laughs> loving God and loving people. It was interesting, because in our prayer time this morning, some of the things that I'm talking about, people just prayed randomly for these things, and I thought it was great. So it's interesting, because we get a point to a point in our journey where we understand that we really don't understand our purpose sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if we could get to that point and go, you know what, I just need to understand that I don't understand. We're on this certain path in life. And what does all this have to do with me fulfilling my purpose anyway? I think about that. So last Thursday, I was invited to a retirement party for a friend of mine who I was uh, with the one reserve police officers. He was one of the officers there. He's the, uh, he just retired from St. Martin's University as head of security. So I went to this party, and there was, a lot, there was a lot of people there celebrating. And one of the guys that came and sat next to me at the table was a, is now a retired commander with Lacey Police Department. And he sat next to me, and I started thinking back. And the Lord just kind of showed me this picture. So when we, we were done with the party, I said, I had, wanted to have a conversation with him. I said, you know what, I want to I talk to you for a second. So we were standing there talking, and I said, I want to thank you. I said, I want to thank you for something you did, and you may not even know this. You changed my purpose in some aspects in my life. I said, remember when I came to you just as a new pastor in the community, just wandered into the police department, and I said, hey, I was wondering, you guys need a chaplain? 
that I was like, I need to figure out what do I do in the community to serve? What do I, what, how can I give back to the community? And at the time, he told me, no, we have three chaplains. We're good. I ran into him a couple more times, and, and then he said, you know what? You know, Steve, you ever thought of becoming a reserve police officer? And I said, actually, no. That's not part of my plan. That's not part of my purpose. That's not the plan I'm on. I was thinking that. But then it just kind of kept nagging at me. And anyway, so I told him, I said, I need to thank you because you actually helped me get to part of a, this route or this road in my life that I had no idea that God had intended me for that because his purpose ultimately, because I felt like I was called somehow to be uh, involved in the community, chaplain, whatever that meant. Well, about 10 years later, now I begin to see this is what God's plan was. He, he had me go through this whole other way to get to where I am today and what I'm involved with today. And I was thinking about, man, I would have never been able to do and have the doors open that are open to me today if it wasn't for taking that whole, what I thought was a polar route and kind of like, man, this is a distraction, a, a rabbit trail or whatever, but became a very, very intricate important part of my life. Huge. When I begin, and I'm sitting there thinking about this whole thing as I'm sitting next to this man and thanking him. And he's, so he's standing, he's looking at me and there's tears in his eyes. It's like, wow. He goes, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. That means so much to me. And I think about that and how we have to allow God to use other people in our life to guide us sometimes. And if we think that's a dumb idea or if it's like, what are you talking about? Or whatever, and if God is tapping you on your shoulder and say, listen to this, listen, because you're like, that's not part of my plan. Well, God's saying, that's part of mine. And to think of the relationships that I've established and built over the last 10 years with great people in our community and understanding that. And I, I'll never forget, because I, I felt a lot of pressure as a, as a pastor and as a Christian in the community after going through the whole thing and, and graduating from the police academy and walking into the police department, and I'm thinking, everybody has got to be just judging me and thinking, who's this crazy pastor? Think he's coming into our department. What's he going to do? That's in my thought. I'm just walking in there. And what happens to me is one of the officers who later becomes a good friend of mine says, hey, reached out his hand. My name is Jimmy. Welcome aboard. So glad to have you part of the team. Wow, then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can do this. Because, and so this journey, this journey that, but each one of us are on this journey and finding and discovering God's purpose. What is that for you? Yeah, we're, we all have the, the responsibility of being a good husband, a good wife, father, mother, a good kid, all those things. Yeah, those are, but there's something that God's called us to do beyond. There's something in each one of us that when we begin to discover those things, something begins to happen. We begin to positively influence other people's lives, and it becomes really good. We bring added value to other people. We do. We bring added value to their life. We don't see it in ourselves sometimes. <laughs> God's the one that's digging in there and going, hey, you got value. Come on. I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to put it to work. God had a specific plan when he put us on this earth. He created the earth. He created us. He created us from the earth, created, and, and he had a purpose. God chose the earth to be our arena that we are living together, and it's for the outworking of his plan and purpose. 
that we're here on this earth. He has a great plan. And to even think that somehow, and, I, and it's hard for me to fathom this, that there are a lot of people who absolutely hate and detest God, Christians, church, whatever it is, because either they've been hurt or they've heard something they don't like or whatever it is, the very person that created them, the God, the God of the universe that brought them life, that breathed life into their body, they're cursing and they're hating and they think that they're better than him and they know more than him. And I think there's people out there who are misguided, they're hurt, and we have a hope, we have an answer that we can bring. And that's part of our responsibility to do that, say we can bring hope, we can offer hope, we can offer hope. I wanna, I'm going to read a scripture and I want to tell you one more story and then we'll uh, conclude for this morning. We'll pick it up next week. But Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 19, it really tells us that when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned, the earth was affected big time. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happened. But in Romans 8, starting in verse 19, it says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's cure. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of things that are happening. And we're in that. But I believe, as was Queen Esther for her time and season, that we're here for such a time as this. God has a plan. He has a purpose. you got to believe that. And so you have to go, God, what is that for me? How do, how do I fit into your purpose? Because he chose to create you, and he has a plan for your life. And so now it's beginning to walk that out, discover that. What does that look like? And I'm realizing for myself, God did not put me here in this community to live in a holy bubble called the church. I, I, I discovered that that wasn't my purpose. You never know as you're coming in as a pastor and you're trying to figure things out, it's like, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is how I, you know, I've seen it done. This is how, and you feel like, okay, you gotta be in this sort of this holy bubble, uh, if you wanna call it. But then I realized that part of my purpose was experiencing, being a part of the lives and experiencing life with people who are living a life in darkness living a life that they're hopeless. They, they need something. And God's given me and given you that something that we can draw from. People are, are, are living in difficult, challenging times. And I'll just conclude with this story. I just remember uh, referring back to the first day you stand in front of the chief and you, you swear to uphold the law and do all the things that you do all that and you, you become this police officer. And, and I'm going in and I'm, in the, at the locker, and I'm putting on my uniform, and I'm just like, this is crazy, and I, and, I, and I put my weapon in the holster, and it's that really cool sound of that click, click. Those of you guys know what I'm talking about. And you're like, this is for real. And I was out with the officer I was riding with within an hour, within one hour. I've got a guy at gunpoint, and I'm up on this fence, and I've got a guy at gunpoint, and I'm like, Steve, what in the world are you doing? You pastor this church in Lacey, and now you about to shoot somebody? Uh, you know, there's just like, but I'm just honest thoughts. And, I, and it's like time was freezing. But I honestly, 
I had every right to probably shoot this guy, just reliving the scenario and everything. That's not a good feeling. And I think, God, there's a purpose, though. There's something. I didn't have this on my list when I said yes to pastoring. But God puts us in places, and he puts things on our list that we didn't plan for. But I'll tell you, it's given me so many opportunities to speak in the lives of people who are lost in darkness. We cannot understand, really, history without understanding why we're here and understand history itself and what has happened to us along the way in our relationship with God is pretty amazing. I want to ask the musicians if you'd come. I just want to encourage us this morning. He has a purpose. He has a purpose. We know he created us. Now understand, okay, understand what my purpose is. And whatever route that takes you on, trust God in that. I want to continue next week. I have some other thoughts I want to bring on this. But I want to send you away today just your time that you spend with God during the week in prayer, reading your Bible. Realizing it's not about us. It's about something much bigger, His kingdom that He's looking to extend. He's just asking us to be who we are. Would you ever think that you were going to be you would be called to be an Esther or a Mordecai? You may be not called to save a whole entire nation, but you may. But what if it's just to reach to your neighbor, to help them, to encourage them? What whatever it is, involved in something in the community, in the church. Let's stand as we're going to be dismissed here in a few moments. We're going to sing conclusion, and I want to just pray for you before we're dismissed this morning. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 